Welcome to Sane Split, a podcast about staying sane when relationships end. I am AJ Jakubowska, family law lawyer and mediator. Just like you, I'm human. I understand what can happen when people separate. Lots of questions swirling around like confetti. Lots of uncertainty, perhaps anger, disappointment, or even pain. Sleepless nights, shallow breathing. Will I ever be happy again? Will the kids be okay? How much is all this going to cost? All of these questions are human and you're not alone. This podcast features my thoughts about separation and my interviews with other humans who help people when their relationships end. People who assist with legal issues, who mediate, who look after hearts and minds, and even after the pocketbook. People who might help you plan your future. What you will hear is not legal advice. These are dialogues primarily about the human aspect of separation. We will try to stay away from legal lingo. It's humans talking to humans. I hope that something you hear will help you navigate your way to a sane split. Welcome and thanks for tuning in. This is episode 19 of the first season of the podcast. Hard to believe. It's certainly been an incredible journey since July 1, when Sane Split first launched. Sharing with you my experiences as a family law lawyer and mediator, and my interviews with my guests, has been even more fun than I had anticipated. I do appreciate all the feedback I have received from the listeners. It's helpful, and it challenges me to do even better. I am recording this episode within days of Halloween, but guess what? It's not too early to think about Christmas, particularly if you and the other parent are in what I call the transitional year. And here I mean that this will be the first Christmas for you and the kids since the separation. This episode is not long. But I do hope that it will get you thinking and planning, engaging on the subject of Christmas without further delay, but with some forethought and consideration. Many separated parents are successful at working out Christmas arrangements without much difficulty. I have observed a common theme to such situations. How do they manage to do it? They look at this magical time from the kid's perspective, through their eyes, and not from the perspective of their own, the parents' rights. If you have heard me before, you know that I emphasize this point very strongly. All arrangements made for children should be child-focused, keeping in mind their needs and comforts their well-being and happiness, not the needs or wants of the parents. In my view, parents begin to run into problems when they view Christmas holidays as a competition, a chance to somehow impress the children more than the other parent. And so the game begins. More gifts, bigger gifts, more expensive gifts, fights for more time. Puppies or kittens magically appear in one household, or maybe even both. 
If it's in one, the other parent sometimes doesn't even get a say in the decision, and the children then expect to take the pet with them from one home to the other. More than anything else, kids want to be kids at Christmas. If they're still young enough to believe in Santa, they want cookies and the milk. They want to check everything is ready for Santa's overnight arrival before they finally fall asleep in their great anticipation. They want presents on Christmas Day, and in fact, they're happy with presents at any time over the Christmas holidays. There are separated parents who do make all of this work through cooperation. How? They are imaginative, inventive, and cooperative. They recognize that it's not a competition, that there are many Christmases in the span of a childhood, that new traditions can be created, that the overall and the most important goal is to ensure that children are not stressed, anxious, or unhappy during this magical time. And trust me when I say, when children see their parents stressed, anxious, and unhappy, arguing and battling one another, angry during handovers, disparaging the other parent, and asking a child to tell them which presents they liked more, This deeply affects children and tarnishes their memories of what should be for them one of the happiest times of the year. The reason I am emphasizing the importance of starting those Christmas discussions early is that the more time you have, the more options there are to work out the arrangements and work through any disagreements, big or small. Many parents work out Christmas arrangements directly between themselves. If they already have a history of some level of cooperation or have, for example, tackled decisions relating to other holidays and special days, there is no need to actually put anything in writing. I always tell parents, including when I mediate for them, that it's good to have a roadmap something they can fall back on if they don't get along for some reason. Here I'm talking about a parenting plan or some agreement on the schedule in writing. They can always deviate from that schedule if they both agree. But if they hit a snag, both know what is to happen next because their written schedule tells them that. So start your discussions early particularly if this is your transitional year and do you do not yet have any agreement. Or if you're finding that your recent communication has not been the most productive. And rather than have those difficulties spill into your Christmas arrangements at last minute, broach the subject early and give yourself and the other parent ample time to work through it. Yes, Mediation is a viable option, and I always, always encourage parents to consider it. Mediation is a realistic opportunity to have a dynamic dialogue about scheduling, 
about transitions, and even for making plans for how to handle Christmas financially, uh, this time in two households. I have actually encountered separated parents who agreed in advance how much they will spend on presents as a parenting unit and who will get what gifts on the Dear Santa list. So they put their ears to the ground early, so to speak, and listen to what the kids are saying about gift ideas, wants, and wishes. They exchange the information, put together a list, and agree on who will get what. I even know a separated couple who tell their kids all gifts are from both parents. Incredible, isn't it? Because to your kids, you are still family. Two parents and kids, yes. The parents are living separately now and may even have new members in their household. But you are still that kid's parents. Children want and need permission to love both of their parents. And they want to be loved by both of their parents. So if you're discussing Christmas and somehow get stuck, meet with a mediator. You might hear about options for scheduling you didn't know were available. And again, do it early. So what happens if you cannot agree? And to make things worse, you left things for too long and you learn of the impasse, the disagreement you can't resolve right before the holidays. Well, you will have no choice but to have a family court judge a stranger to your family, make a decision for you and the other parent. A decision one of you might not like. Trust me when I say that family court judges do not like hearing Christmas motions. We used to call them Christmas access motions. Thankfully, we are transitioning to more modern terminology, and the word access will be replaced with parenting and parenting time. When I was a young lawyer, I remember spending many December 24th sitting in court waiting to argue one or more Christmas motions. I would then rush home, change, and drive to my parents for Christmas Eve. I often thought as I was sitting there about the stress my client and the other parent were experiencing that day waiting for a judge's decision as to how their Christmas would unfold. You might think that those cases were very rare. Those cases that actually ended up in court in the days leading up to the holidays. But you would be surprised how many parents dig in, refuse to compromise, and roll the dice before a family court judge. Imagine being a child asking about Christmas and Santa and not receiving an answer because the parents are still waiting for a court decision at the last minute. Sadly, some parents even involve the kids in the dispute. This can be truly impactful on a child, no matter their age, frankly, because teenagers are affected by stress and anxiety around their parents' disputes and 
so are preschoolers, for example. Don't be those parents. Don't be that parent. Do all you can to work cooperatively with the other parent, if that is at all possible. And assuming, of course, there are no safety issues relating, for example, to domestic violence. Let's look at some practical scheduling options. And there are actually two issues to consider around Christmas holidays. Firstly, there is the fact that schools generally give kids two weeks off. And parents need to turn their mind to how that time off school will be divided between them. So, for example, they can split the holidays in the middle and agree that uh, each of them will have one week. Some parents make arrangements for those two weeks, which are uniquely suited to their own circumstances. So, for example, if one of the parents is unable to take time off to spend the whole week with the children, the other parent might step in. Or the parents could simply decide to have the regular schedule continue to apply. And by that, I mean the regular residential arrangements for periods other than the holidays. The second issue to consider is, of course, the Christmas period itself. And here we're generally talking about Christmas Eve day, Christmas day, and Boxing Day. There are as many different ways of dealing with these three days as there are families, quite frankly. And for some parents, the arrangements make themselves naturally, so to speak, because they continue to fall in line with earlier family traditions with members of extended family, for example. For many Polish and Italian families, Christmas Eve is an event central to the Christmas celebration. And in fact, gifts are handed out on the evening of December 24th and not on the morning of Christmas Day. So in this instance, the parent who celebrates Christmas Eve might naturally want the children on that day, and then they would be transitioned to the other parent who would celebrate Christmas morning. If both parents celebrate Christmas Day and may want to have an opportunity to see the children open presents on Christmas morning. It is common to split the three days of Christmas somewhere in the middle, so to speak. One parent would have Christmas Eve Day until, let's say, noon on Christmas Day, and the other parent would have the rest of the time through the end of Boxing Day. In the following year, the parents would switch the sequence so that the parent who had Christmas Eve in the previous year would now have Christmas Day dinner and Boxing Day. There is another alternative, at least in theory. I say this because in my many years of practice, I have seen only a few instances where it has worked. Uh, This involves the parents alternating the three days year to year, meaning one parent has the entire three days in an odd year, for example, and the other parent has that same block of three days in its entirety in even years. 
In practical terms, this means that one parent does not have any Christmas time with the children in a given year, but for some families that works, particularly where one of the parents has family who live at another location. And these alternating Christmas arrangements give that parent a chance to travel and spend time with their own extended family while the other parent has care of the children for the entire three days. The next year, that parent might take the children to spend those three days with their extended family in another province, for example. So that's another alternative to splitting the three days of Christmas in the middle. Some parents also turn their mind to New Year's Eve day and New Year's Day. And that can also be alternated year to year. Just situate these arrangements in the context of your other holiday arrangements so that how you deal with Christmas and New Year's uh, is fair given all the other holidays and how you're uh, dealing with them. Some parents who are experiencing their first Christmas since the separation worry about the children's reaction to not celebrating as a family unit, particularly if they are young. Sometimes in this transitional year, parents may elect to celebrate a portion of the Christmas holiday together. So, for example, they may agree to both be present at one of the residences while the children open their gifts on Christmas morning. I have met couples that have been successful with this, but it requires genuine cooperation between the parents and is possible only when both parents put the children's needs ahead of their own and do what is best for them and not for themselves. If there is one thing I would like you to take away from this brief episode, it's my words of encouragement about starting a dialogue about Christmas scheduling as early as possible. Work out the details in advance so that in the weeks before the actual holidays, you can focus on making them magical for your kids, not on putting together court materials for that Christmas parenting motion. Thank you for listening. I hope you will tune in again. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach me through my website, separationinontario.com. Subscribing to the podcast through your favorite app will make future episodes available to you automatically. Signing off for now.